everybody, and welcome back to another podcast episode of Mysterious Headlines. Today, we're continuing the conversation about missing six-year-old Michael Vaughn. There's a local news station out of Idaho, KTVB, and they have been covering Michael's case from the beginning. And they did an extended newscast story a couple days ago covering Michael Vaughn's story. And I wanted to share it with you, and we're going to talk about parts of it here that I find interesting as we listen to this newscast together and break it down. For more than 550 days, a family has faced agonizing pain, searching for their little boy, searching for answers. Michael Vaughn went missing in the summer of 2021. The case heated up late last year with police digging up a home close to the Vaughns and naming people they believe are involved in Michael's abduction. But we still don't know where the little boy is. There's a hole. July 27th, 2021. Well, we keep moving on every day and we don't give up. The day the world stopped turning for one Idaho family. I always write every day what day it is. And it says, be strong, be brave, be fearless. You are never alone. The day a little sister couldn't play with her big brother. She picks up his pictures. I leave this one here. Um, She'll walk up and she'll start talking to him. And she'll get sad and she says, I miss Monkey. I miss him too. A day forever imprinted on the memories of everyone who lives in the family's small, close-knit community of Fruitland, Idaho. Five-year-old Michael Vaughn went missing from this neighborhood behind me. The search for Michael Vaughn continues. We just want our monkey home. Fruitland police say then-five-year-old Michael Vaughn disappeared between 6.40 and 7 p.m. on July 27, 2021. His family says he was last seen down the road from where they live on Southwest 9th Street in Fruitland, and he spoke to multiple neighbors. Every minute counts in these investigations when searching for a missing child. By fall, police said... Okay, we're going to pause there for a minute. So they just said Michael Vaughn was seen, or family, so they said family states... Michael Vaughn was last seen down the street from his home. And I want to point this out because this is different than everything that Fruitland Police Department has said. In Fruitland Police Department's most recent press conference, they have stated Michael Vaughn was last seen at his home on Southwest 9th. But then we have family saying he was last seen down the street from his home. And so that's an inconsistency. And I also question, you know, a family saying that they that he was last seen down the street from his home. How do they know that? Because Tyler stated he last saw him playing his Nintendo Switch inside the house. So did somebody else confirm that they saw him down the street? FPD hasn't stated that, so I would like further clarification on that. 
Because again, as far as we've been told by Fruitland Police Department, he was last seen at his home on Southwest 9th. But here the family is stating he was last seen down the street from his home. Those are two different things. And, and it does matter. It does matter. Because if he was last seen at his home, then that changes potentially what happened to him or the path of travel versus if he was last seen down the street from his home, that would change what could have happened to him in the path of travel. Obviously, if he's away from his home, if he's down the street from his home, that opens up more opportunities for someone to have drove by and grabbed him or even for somebody else to have seen something. If he was last seen at his home, that's less people that would have potentially seen what happened. So it's something important that I feel the need to stop and point out. And maybe we can get clarification on this. Was he last seen at his home on Southwest 9th or down the street from his home? Let's continue listening. Michael was likely abducted. I want to hear him say, I love you, Mom. It was the last thing I got to hear. That was the last thing he said to you. You told him I'd be home to tuck him in. Multiple agencies, from Fruitland Police and Idaho State Police to Idaho Mountain Search and Rescue and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, scoured the area, searching for Michael on the ground, in the water, from the sky. People from all around the Treasure Valley also helped search for the little blonde hair, blue-eyed boy, lovingly nicknamed Monkey. Michael's still missing. He's not home, and we don't have answers. So we keep going. Monkey's sixth birthday came and went last June. That one up top is from Monkey's sixth birthday. And all of the Fruitland Police Department signed the ribbon and brought that. What do you miss most? about him. <laughs> his hugs, his jumping on me, his kisses, mama, when we do this, his inquisitiveness about everything. Just wanting to see the whole world. take him to catch more frogs. With each passing day, Michael's mom, Brandy Neal, holds out hope they can make more memories. She and his dad, Tyler Vaughn, speak to Fruitland police constantly. Darn near daily. And know they're using every resource they can. Their hearts are broken too. Just weeks after Michael's sixth birthday. We've received some recent leads that have put us out in the area again, um, searching more acreage. Fruitland Police Chief J.D. Huff announced a tip in a sea of more than a thousand tips, 
led them back to the area where Michael disappeared. Michael's case fell quiet again for a few months until it got very loud on November 11, 2022. A major break in the case at a home just across the road, just half a mile away from this neighborhood where the Vaughn family lives. Police say they were looking for Michael's possible remains at a home on Red Wing Street so close. Brady says she walked there and knocked on the door early on in her search for Michael. No one answered when she knocked. Huff said a quote, very credible tip from someone living in the home led them to. Hey, we're going to pause there. So they said Brandy, Michael's mother, went to the home of the Wandras and knocked on the door early on in the investigation and did not get an answer. That's interesting to me. The fact that she went to the Wandras home and knocked on the door. That's interesting to me. Now, perhaps she was out knocking on a lot of doors, right, shortly after he went missing. But that's interesting that she knocked on this particular door. And obviously now they're potential suspects in this case. I believe Michael was buried there. Search and rescue crews used heavy machinery to dig up the backyard of this home on Red Wing Street. Honestly, I didn't really believe it at first. Like, I couldn't. I couldn't have been this close. I literally worn my feet to the bone. We are all very emotionally tied to this case. Brandy says police told them to hunker down and to stay away from the excavation. I sat at the end of the road. I watched the trucks leaving with the dirt. But I promised my family. I promised law enforcement. I promised everybody that I wouldn't go over there. It was like day one again. In the first weeks, months, not being able to drive, not being able to think, not being able to do anything. <sighs> Pour yourself into a shower. The next day, after more than a year and a half, police arrested someone they believe was involved in Michael's abduction. Even without finding a body, they charged one of the people living in the home, 35-year-old Sarah Wandra, with failure to report a death. Police, for the first time, saying they believe Michael is dead. Do you understand the allegation that's been made against you? I understand what they've said is not correct. But how could they arrest her without finding a body? Chief Huff could only tell me they had probable cause for prosecutors to charge her beyond just statements made. You're confident that they have more? They can't tell us, but... <laughs> I'm confident in them. Okay, I want to pause there. And I've heard Brandy Neal state this multiple times throughout this case from the beginning of this case, that she is confident in Fruitland Police Department. Now, it is February of 2023. We are over a year and a half out from the date that Michael went missing. We are closer to the two-year anniversary of Michael being gone. And we only just had an arrest two and a half months ago. But they don't even have a body. And they have... 
nothing that they can publicly really share with us yet. We know that DNA is going to the private testing lab, but they don't really have anything publicly that they can share with us. And it's over a year and a half since his disappearance. If I was Michael's mother, I would not be having faith in the police department. And I probably would have stopped having faith by the third or fourth month that he had been missing. And I'm just an outsider that has been following this case and watching this case. And to me... It doesn't seem like a lot of progress has been made. I'm aware that they don't share everything with the public. I get that. They have to keep a lot of things close to the vest. But still, we're a year and a half later. They haven't even found the exact suspects who are responsible for Michael's disappearance and potential death. They haven't found Michael, whether he's dead or alive. They've stated they um, most likely think he's dead at this point. I don't understand how a parent could sit there and say, I have faith in them. I, I don't know. To me, that's beyond me. Again, I'm not the parent in this situation, but I, I don't quite understand how you could have faith in a police department that has very little progress. And it's months and months between anything coming out to the public. They, you know, released an update that November after he went missing And then there wasn't another update until the spring. And then there wasn't another update until the one-year anniversary. There are months lapse in between updates to the public. And I don't know. I would not be able to have faith in the police department. But let's continue. Judge sealed the probable cause affidavit and other records, not wanting to jeopardize the high-profile case. The Payette County prosecutor said Wandra was on pretrial release at the time, charged with unlawful possession of a gun by a felon. She lives with her partner, Stacy, who's been in the Washington County Jail since May of 2022, accused of the same gun charge. Never seen them. Never met them. We left flyers in the door. In December, Sarah was committed to the state psychiatric hospital after she was found mentally unfit to assist in her own defense. It's disheartening. It's upsetting. Proceedings are paused until her competency can be restored. But I understand. I understand the process. According to Chief Huff, she isn't cooperating. I want answers. Okay, let's pause there. That is the first we've heard. Chief Huff has stated before that there were people not cooperating in the investigation. He stated that back in July at the one-year anniversary press conference but we didn't know who was not cooperating and this is the first time we're hearing that it is indeed 
Sarah Wandra that is not cooperating. There, there are potential other people, too. Because he had said people are not cooperating. So it's possible that there's other people. But this is the first time we're hearing that Sarah Wandra is not cooperating. But we know, as they just stated, Sarah is deemed mentally incompetent at this time, right? So she has to undergo mental evaluation and gain competency in order to move forth with her trial. So if she's mentally incompetent, she's probably not really going to be able to give you much information at this time. So I'm thinking, are they saying she's not cooperating because she's mentally incompetent and she's, you know, really unable to kind of talk to them at this moment? Because shortly thereafter being arrested, she was deemed mentally incompetent. So I don't know. Or maybe they're alluding to the fact that she was not cooperating prior to the arrest. I don't know. We don't have much information to go off of because the probable cause affidavit is sealed. But that is the first time we're hearing that Sarah Wandra has not been cooperating with Fruitland Police Department. I need answers, but I'd like to sit and have a conversation with her face to face with me. But you can't yet. No, not yet. There will be a time. Crews spent days digging up the Red Wing Street property. They brought human remains detection dogs. All of them alerting to the presence of human remains. Although the remains of Michael Vaughn were not recovered, we strongly believe based on evidence that Michael was abducted and is deceased and that his remains were buried and later moved from the property. In that same December news conference, Chief Huff announced they believe two more people have firsthand knowledge about Michael's disappearance. He said Brandon Shirtliff and Adrian Lucian lived at or visited the Wanderers home when Michael was abducted. We also believe that there are others associated with the Wanderers, Shirtliff and Lucian who may have knowledge of Michael's abduction. Police believe Lucien is bouncing between Ohio and California. Public records show he has a lengthy criminal record in multiple states. Shirtliff also has a long rap sheet. In fact, court records show he has a warrant out for his arrest in Canyon County for violating probation, which Chief Huff knows about. From CUNA, Shirtliff's mom told us he now lives in North Dakota. Via Facebook Messenger, she also told us in early December, investigators and cadaver dogs were at her house for days. He is not running. He has nothing to hide and we have all been cooperating, his mom wrote. A week after releasing their names, Fruitland Police said they made contact with Lucien and Shirtliff. However, they haven't charged the men or issued any arrest warrants. While Huff wouldn't comment on why, he says he's confident arrests will be made in this case. That's not... So that's interesting to me, right? He spoke to both, or FPD spoke to both Adrian and Brandon, and there were no arrests made there. And they said at that last press conference that more arrests were coming. And I think a lot of people thought they were going to arrest Brandon or Adrian, and they didn't. If they had probable cause at that time to arrest them, they would. Um, so... They didn't have probable cause to arrest them, and they may be able to connect something later and obviously arrest them, or maybe they found that, okay, you know, there's not really anything there, but they 
they keep repeating that there are more arrests coming, but we don't know who those arrests are for. So it's a wait and see. Not fair if you have information about Michael and you've watched us for this past 545 days and you haven't said a damn word. And we have to wait and wait and wait and still take care of our family and our lives. Somebody needs to say something and they need to start talking. As investigators press on, Chief Huff says they continue working closely with the Payette County prosecutor. You can't take one of our most precious citizens from us and ever expect us to stop. I hate these words, but we will bring him home one way or another. I'm curious what words Brandy is referring to there, because she says, I hate these words. Is it, I'm wondering if it's like the word deceased, possibly. Um, I mean, they've said they believe him to be deceased or abducted. I don't know. Um, but she doesn't specifically say there, but I'm curious um, what specific word there she's referring to. We'll never give up. While they wait for answers. These are every single card, kind note um, that has been sent to our family. Support from their community and from all over the world. New Zealand little kiwi for michael when he comes home helps their world slowly turn again michael is still missing we do not have answers to where he is please please keep sharing his beautiful smile his beautiful face he's out there somewhere and we need him home don't forget about him Multiple status hearings have been set for Sarah Wandra with another scheduled for February 6th, which we will, of course, be covering. Meantime, Chief Huff believes they'll be doing more searches. A week ago, he posted on Facebook saying they are following up on new information. While searching the home on Red Wing Street, he said investigators recovered several pieces of evidence. Some were sent to a private DNA lab for analysis, which takes time as everything has with this ongoing active investigation. Huff told me, quote, I'll continue to ask for patience as we continue to seek justice for Michael. This is the toughest thing for families of missing children. It's the not knowing, right? Because they can't ever move on. No matter what police say, no matter what the, you know, guesses are, the suspicions are, it doesn't matter. This family wants answers. They want Michael back, no matter what. And they need to know that um, they're gonna get those answers. Since the beginning of this case, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, as I mentioned earlier, has supported the Vaughn family and law enforcement. The center's communications director, Angeline Hartman, always encourages families to speak out and bring attention to the case, advocate for their kids, just as Brandy Neal and the Vaughns have done. Hartman. So that's an interesting point there. The um, Angelina Hartman from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children encourages, she was just saying, encourages families to speak out 
and advocate for their son um, like they have done. And we didn't hear from Tyler Vaughn for a whole year after Tyler or after Michael went missing. And I've covered that whole interview. He did two interviews, one with KTVB and one with News Nation a year after Michael went missing. And he explained in the News Nation interview why he hadn't spoke prior to that. He felt so terrible because he was the one that was home. But, you know, Angelina says it's important for families to speak and share out and it just makes me think of how much time went by before Tyler even spoke publicly to anybody about Michael and obviously he had his reasons why but perhaps if he had spoke out sooner it it could have helped and aided in this case And it also makes me think of, you know, the importance of speaking out as a parent of a missing child and sharing their information, but also doing it in an effective and appropriate way, right? You know, sharing their poster on social media, doing news interviews like this and speaking with the public and sharing information about your child trying to get your child's name and face out to as many people as possible, getting on as many national news channels as you can, getting advertising for his face and his name wherever you can, getting as much attention as possible, and accepting assistance and help from people that want to do that, right? If there's people out there that say, hey, we want to help you get advertising for your child, or we want to help you get some posters up for your child, some billboards, or we want to help put together a search group for your child. That's what Angeline is talking about here, accepting that help or, you know, doing that yourself. Obviously, as a child or as a parent of a missing child, you can't do everything. So you do have to lean on other people and say, yeah, You can help me with that. If you want to put together a search group that wants to come and search, I'd be more than happy to, right? Like, it's over a year and a half later. My son is still missing. So, yeah, like, I would gladly accept that. Or if you want to help put together billboards, if you want to help, um, you know, try and get some other news outlets to cover the story and put his name and his face out there, right? All of that matters. Getting his name and his face out there as far and wide as possible All of that matters in helping bring him home. And that's important for the parent of a missing child to do that stuff or to ask for help in doing it and accepting help in others in doing it. And I know there, you know, there was, there was some of that done in this case. And like I said, KTVB has done a great job covering his story and some other local news channels, News Nation, they've done a good job covering his story. But there could have been even more. There could have been even more. And I cover lots of missing kid cases. And so I see the variance and the difference in how much or how little parents are out there sharing the name and the face of their missing child. But inevitably as much as they can do 
that will help bring answers and help bring their child home says every missing child case is different, but in 90% of them, the child is found, whether it happens quickly or takes a long time. Even if a child is not found in the first couple days, keep looking. Every minute counts. Hartman says it's important to take the case seriously right off the bat. Those are critical times. It's the responsibility of everyone in the community to help bring that child home. Hartman says children leaving on their own make up the majority of cases, followed by family abductions, so so-called custodial cases. What police say happened to Michael, a stranger abduction with no connection to the family, is extremely rare. Hartman doesn't want to skip. And so they just said stranger abduction, which we know stranger abductions are extremely rare. But, and I know they can't share much information, but I'm really curious why they believe it's a stranger abduction. Because they are so rare. What Like, obviously, they have arrested Sarah Wandra, Stacey Wandra, already previously in jail, um, not related to Michael. But what information do they have that tells them this was a stranger abduction. I'm just curious. And eventually, I guess that information will come out. But I'm very curious because it is so rare. Stranger abductions. What exact evidence do they have to say that it was a stranger abduction? Their families, but she does want to remind them to always be careful despite where they live. It only takes a second, right? And we don't know what happened. Did it take a second? Did it take 10 minutes and those 10 minutes that, you know, just nobody was paying attention? I mean, this is a, a community where children and all children should be able to play outside in any community. And this is so heartbreaking to think, to just imagine that he was out there playing, searching for, for playmates. Hartman says they're so impressed by the way Fruitland community banded together and wraps their arms around the Vaughns and continues to do so. She encourages everyone to keep supporting the family as they wait for answers because it's easy for them to feel alone. Your best fit. And so that is the KTVB interview. Again, kudos to KTVB for covering this story from the beginning for sharing Michael's name and his face and getting information out there, along with some of the other local news channels that have been doing the same. It's important, and I hope that this can help bring more awareness and more information towards Michael's case and can help Michael... To be found. That That is what I want in this case. I want justice and resolution. And according to FPD, they believe he is deceased. So that would be finding his body and finding out whoever was involved in his disappearance and murder and holding them accountable. And... I I pray that that can happen here. I pray for that. As always, thank you for listening. You can always join in the conversation on Twitter, MYS Headlines, and my Instagram, MYS Headlines Pod. I have um, 
some pictures there of Michael and a poster. You can still share the poster because, again, Michael is still missing. They are still looking for information in his case because they don't know exactly what has happened to him. So if you could share that poster on social media, that would be wonderful. Thank you all for listening. Let's bring Michael justice.